Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. Chris, how you doing, bud? Very good. Uh, it was a lot of fun uh, going back and listening to this album that um, just like elicits so many uh, memories and, and uh, just a lot of um, nostalgia for me. So yeah, um, this it's going to be a, a very interesting week. I think of all the albums we've done, this is by far the most obscure of the bunch. Uh, but I, by the same token, I think it's going to open a lot of people's eyes. But before we get into The Edge by Eternity X, did you hear anything else this week that you liked? Oh, I heard something very interesting. Um, from the Hypercube Necro Dimensions comes the new band Wizard Throne. And uh, they released a single called The Frozen Winds of Thraxia. And uh, please tell me how you describe the genre of this music. Oh, I, I would say it's like wizard math metal. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this because it was on my list of things to talk about because this 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 came out of nowhere and it pretty much came out of exactly what you just said uh, and it's every bit as absurd as it sounds, but it's awesome. So it uh, it is uh, members of Glory Hammer, Aether Realm, Ailstorm, and Necrogoblicon, just to name a few, have come together to make this... Um, I, I, you know, I don't know, I guess your description is the best I'm going to come up with because it's, it's got that, um, that speedy power metal, uh, feel that you get from Glory Hammer, but with the, with the harsh vocals that you get from an, an Aether Realm, um, it, it's a really kind of cool combination. And this is, I think another, um, another, uh, something uh from the from the the crazy brain of chris bose from al storm and and glory hammer looking to just like master another genre of music uh and, he's already he, mastered he did that. Pirate, metal, pirate metal and power metal so and he's and i mean there there are elements of black metal here there are elements of power metal like you said there are elements of death metal i mean it's all over the map but somehow it works really really well um, obviously only heard the one song that you mentioned, but, uh, I'll be looking forward to the disc, which comes out uh, a little bit later this year. Yeah. I wasn't even aware that it was something that anybody was working on. And then all of a sudden there's a song out there. So that was kind of a nice little surprise this week. So that was, that was cool. I, I gave the song a really good, uh, listen earlier today. And, um, Definitely one of those things where, like, if you had played that for me in high school, I would have been like, I'm never listening to that band again. But um, uh, now that I'm older and have a little bit more of a wider palette, um, it, I found it quite enjoyable, and I, I look forward to hearing the rest of it. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Um, I, two things I want to mention before we go forward. Uh, there's a band that's been getting quite a bit of buzz over the last couple of weeks. I think they've released a couple of singles, and the album just got uh, released in its entirety. Uh, with the most ridiculous name, and, and that's Temple Balls. You can't make it up, and it's exactly as ridiculous as it sounds. They came out with an album called Pyramide. Uh, a bunch of Finnish guys came out on April 16th of, of this year. The album is fantastic. It is like sleazy Finnish hard rock, kind of in the vein of like a hardcore superstar or a crazy licks, uh, but just hooks to hooks that last and, and, and kind of stay with you and just a really... Uh, really fun release, and I enjoyed listening to it. And I and I, I can already see it's going to be in regular rotation for the foreseeable future. Um, have you had a chance to hear any of the singles or anything? No, I have not had a chance to pray at the Temple Balls. So, um, <laughs> I, I, but I look forward to getting that opportunity. 
a little different than Metal Church, but I, I something I think you're definitely going to enjoy for sure. It's yeah, uh, it's, I, it's I a think, really good release. I think I had heard um, Glenn from Prog Power mention them at some point, maybe during one of his um, one of his video casts or something. But um, yeah, I've been meaning to listen and I just haven't gotten a chance. But uh, yeah, I, I look forward to to hearing uh, the Temple Balls. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's just uh, fun to say. It's just it's fun, fun to say, and it's a fun listen. So <clears throat> it really hits all. It hits. Uh, it hits. It hit, checks all the boxes, if you will. And one other thing that somebody literally sent me, and I, and I listened to it just before we started recording. Uh, a band called Ghosts of Atlantis released a single back in January called The Third Pillar. Uh, it's off an album that came out uh, in late March, and, and it was the album is called Three Six Two Four. Uh, I don't know if it's an ode to Chicago or something. I have no idea. But this was like melodic death metal, but kind of in the vein of like a Demu Borgir or something like that. And I, I just heard the one song and I'll be checking out the album because it was amazing. And it's something that we had missed or certainly something that I had missed earlier in the year. Um, the, if this if the single is any indication, I look forward to checking out the rest of the album as soon as we as soon as we're finished recording because it was awesome. Cool. Yeah. Um Post that or send it my way. I'd like to give that a listen as well. Definitely, uh, definitely will. But uh, with that, we get to your uh, album of the week that you had um, that you had chosen. And, and let me tell you, this was this was an album that I, I was I've had this on my list of, of albums to 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 review and kind of go back and listen to. Uh, I'm not sure that our listeners are necessarily familiar with this album. This is, as I said, one of the more offbeat and eclectic choices out there. Uh, but it's something that obviously means a lot to us. So I'm glad you chose it. And that is Eternity X's The Edge, which came out in 1997. Do you want to give a little background on the band and just uh, kind of tell people that may not be familiar who this is and, and what, it, what it is we're going to be talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Eternity X was originally called Eternity, and um, they had to add the X. I think there was <clears throat> another band that had that name. Um, so they had released a few albums under the name Eternity. They'd been around since ninety one, ninety two, recording demos, which you can actually um, get a hold of on iTunes or I believe it's on Spotify as well. Um, uh, they put their all their demo stuff under the uh, first demo's title, "The Neverending Dream," and I gave some of that a listen this weekend. Was surprised at the um, at the the audio quality of, of such old demos because I feel like some of their later recordings actually don't sound as good as these demos, which is quite strange. But uh, so the band was was pretty much led by the the lead singer uh, Keith Sedano, and uh, the the band came out of. Um, New Jersey, uh, Cliffwood, New Jersey, to be specific. And, um, I, I don't know. I think like it was a lot of, um, a lot of guys, I guess, were coming in and out of the band. Uh, um, if I go, if I take a look at their first album, yeah, like not, it's not the same exact lineup as, as the Edge had. So, um, they had released two full length albums in Zodiac and, and Mind Games, both, you know, pretty good albums. Um, not, I wouldn't say as progressive as the edge, maybe a little bit more of a power metal vein. Um, but then came 1997 and, um, I, I, they just like, I mean, I was new to the scene when this album came out, so I don't know like what kind of impact that it had, but 
um, it, I was under the impression that this was a huge deal. Um, that, I mean, cause when I heard this album and I got to give the credit to, to our friend Ralph on this one, because he was the one who made us aware of it. Um, I just remember him just playing songs from it. And I remember going to his house and just listening to the whole album and just knowing that it was one of those albums that I was going to have to get a hold of. And it wasn't the sort of thing that you would just go to the, the record store and buy because it was an independent label. And, you know, it was also 1997. You couldn't buy a Stradivarius album in, in a record store. So, um, I think the both of us got a hold of this album in the same way by, uh, actually sending a letter <laughs> to the, to the, the, one of the guys in the band, Keith Sedano, the, the front man. And, um, and saying like, uh, you know, here's however much the album costs. It would mean a lot to us if you could, you know, personalize it or sign the album or whatever. And I remember I, um, I think I had just left like an order form or a, with the letter or whatever on the counter. And my parents ended up mailing it for me. And then they um, intercepted the package and then held it until, and then gave it to me as a Christmas gift. And that's when I got both the edge and mind games signed by the band with a, like a, a really nice note that Keith wrote on, on like the band's letterhead. So um, from the get go, I mean, and, and I haven't even started talking about the music itself. Like we were, we were, this was like a very important band to us and, and our small group of friends. Yeah. And, and I guess maybe at the time, because we were so young, I guess I didn't realize the scope of certain bands, like how big a sabotage was or um, how big a dream theater was being on MTV, because I kind of lumped Eternity X in the same bucket uh, just in terms of, you know, bands I was listening to in the late nineties. But when you really like break it down, they never achieved the stardom that some of these other bands achieved. And, and, and you mentioned their first two full length albums, Zodiac and mind games. I have both of them. They don't sound anything like the edge, which we're covering today. In fact, if you heard it other than Keith Sedano's vocals, you probably wouldn't even know it was the same band. Would you agree with that? And, and to be fair, I actually really enjoy mind games. I think there's some phenomenal tracks on there. It just sounds nothing like the album we're talking about today. Right. Yeah. And, and like I said before, I think it, it, it is a little bit more uh, like classic heavy metal oriented, maybe a little power metal oriented. And, and there, there's some songs I really, really like from both albums. Sure. Um, sure. Aquarius uh, being one of them from Zodiac and Mind Games, like you mentioned from Mind Games. Um there's some really good stuff. So like clearly the band was, was onto something. Uh, but I mean, they went from, you know, hitting singles to just coming out with a home run out of, out of complete nowhere. Yeah. And, and we'll actually talk a little bit about what happened after this album, which is kind of interesting to see with like the, 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 the postscript, if you will. But let me just break down the lineup because I think it's, I think it's important. Uh, as we had mentioned, Keith Sedano was the lead vocalist and kind of the mastermind behind the band. Uh, a bass player by the name of Zeke is on this and all the other Eternity X releases as well. He's kind of like Keith Sedano's right hand in many ways, or at least that was the impression I got. Uh, Jamie Mazur is the keyboard player. Jeff Chernoff was, uh, did all the guitars. And Jimmy Peruda, who also played on Mind Games, is the drummer for this album. So that, that's kind of the lineup. And, and I think what you'll notice is that, um, 
you know, you probably haven't heard of many of these guys, if any of them, just because they really didn't do very much afterwards. But we'll we'll get to that in, in a little bit. So here we are. It's 1997, and they come out with this album called The Edge, and it was on Angular Records, a very very small independent label. And uh, like you said, I wrote a letter to the band. I said I wanted a copy of the album, and 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 I you know I paid for it, and then all of a sudden it arrives on my doorstep. And I, it was my first time listening to the entire thing. And I, 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 I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that my life changed when I heard this album for the first time, because it was like nothing I had ever heard before. And quite frankly, like nothing I have heard since, uh, just in terms of what this 74 minutes was. Uh, probably the most borrowed album <laughs> that I owned in high school, because I just remember both Mike and Brian borrowing it so many times for me. Like, it would be like I feel like Brian would ask me to borrow this and Legendary Tales by Rhapsody, like every other month or so, just <laughs> yeah. he needed to get his fix. I'm surprised and, you never. I'm su- knowing him. I'm surprised you ever get it back. But that that's a story for for another day and another podcast. Yeah, I mean, we're talking like before the times of of burning CDs and stuff. And I'm not sure why I never just copy it to a cassette or, or something like that. But um, it was just funny to me, like the, the edge was always on loan um, <laughs> for me as a kid. But um, yeah, like I, in my day of, um, of, of making mixtapes, you know, that first mixtape um, that, that Ralph had made for me did not have any eternity X on it. And, and at some point in time, I don't remember why, but um. I needed to remake that tape because I don't know if I accidentally taped over something or I lost it or something. So I had, you know, his handwritten liner notes and, and I was, and I happened to have his book of CDs. He ac- he accidentally left them at my house. So I was re-recording the tape, but there was a couple of discs that were not in the case. They must've been back at his house or, or whatever. And um, so I was like, let me fill in some of these blanks of, of missing songs with Eternity X because I know you know how much I like this band but I don't have the album or anything so um I would put in uh Fly Away and A Day in Verse uh those are the two songs that really hit me uh right away when I first heard Eternity X and so there's kind of like this alternate version of the original mixtape that Ralph made that's that's out there and when I say out there like I mean like maybe three people have it and there might be a copy in my basement somewhere, but um, it was kind of like this director's cut version of the tape with Eternity X tracks on it. And um, I think I would go on to also use um, Baptized by Fire on a later mixtape. And um, I think maybe also the Edge introduction, the Edge part two as well. Um, And uh, even years later, I, I made a playlist last year that had uh the edge of madness on it it was kind of like my lost lost tracks playlist and so i mean this really goes right back to the beginning for for both of us when we first started listening to metal and uh and just really like you said not having any idea that the scope uh, of of what this band was or you know would end up being and uh, i i i would i want you to talk a bit about um the the European tour that they did um 
or do you want to talk about the album first? Uh, yeah, let, let's get into the album, and then and then I'm going to talk about uh, that tour because it's it's fascinating to me on just a number of levels. But we'll, we'll get there because I kind of look at that. I can I think of that as more of the postscript being that it comes out, you know, and they do this. Uh, they do a European tour or you know a, a major tour of Germany a year after the album is released, but. Um, when you hear this album, right, like just sonically, before we even break down the songs, what are your thoughts? Because I, I think the, the, you know, based on discussions we've had with with people and stuff like that, I think that it's um, a little bit polarizing just in terms of the production. Would you agree, or or how does it sound to you? Uh, to me, I think for an album that was pretty much independently released in 1997, I mean, I think, I mean, I think part of the reason I assume that that eternity x was a heavy hitter at the time was because the album sounded as good as anything else that was coming out around that time at least in my opinion and and i'm no you know you know sound expert by any stretch of the imagination but i know what sounds good to me and and this sounded good to me then and and it still does i mean i i i've heard the album that they would subsequently release after this i mean i realize it's kind of like a demo in in a lot of ways but it sounds awful compared to this. In yeah. Honesty. I, I, no question about it. They, they just to set the stage, you know, about three years after this, they would come out with an album called from the ashes. And it was really just a live demo that they recorded. Um, and it's not even really fair to compare it to, to the edge just because it's a uh, different lineup, um, different focus. And, 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 and just, I, I don't think that they really, I think they were just trying to get their ideas down and I'm not sure that they ever really anticipated releasing it, but ultimately they did. But with the edge for a independent release, I actually think it sounds fantastic. Not as clean and crisp as you would expect from an album from today. But what you notice on this album is that every single song has solos, not pretentious solos, but solos of one way, shape or form, whether it be a keyboard interlude or a uh, really a killer bass solo and and obviously guitars, which are prevalent and, and, and whatnot. Uh, and even the drums, everything sounds good. And when, when, when it was time for a particular instrument to shine, they are able to really highlight the solo, but without taking away from the background music as well. And I thought that was fascinating because sometimes a lot of bands today aren't able to do this as effectively as Eternity X did almost 25 years ago. Yeah, I agree. I feel like every, every instrument gets a chance to shine. Uh, everything sounds clean and good like the you know the the bass isn't isn't hidden and and the drums aren't overpowering everything else it's mixed really well and and that probably explains why the album wasn't ever you know remastered or anything because i don't really know that it it needed to be like maybe some of their older material was um i mean zodiac kind of has has a kind of a rough sound to it mind games you could tell they that there's an improvement there and then and then they go on to the edge where there'd be even even more improvement but um you know the I, the 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 actual like piano parts are, are sound so clear and um just the music mus- the musicianship and and this i feel like it echoes a lot of what i had to say about shadow gallery when we discussed them but the musicianship is just is just such is so strong and it's just on full display here and you know I just, uh, it's, I don't know. It's just quite, quite the album. I mean, um, it's, it's, it's hard to put into words. I knew I would have a hard time kind of talking about it because it's just so unique. Nothing really, you know, like you said, sounded like this before or sounded like it after. 
Yeah. And, and what was interesting to me is that I, I was almost a little hesitant to go back and listen to it, which I know sounds crazy because this was probably, and I, and I say this with confidence, the, my most listened to album uh, of the first like three to five years that I was listening to this kind of stuff, right? I start listening in 1997 and for the next three to five years, I don't think there was an album that I played more than The Edge. And I always held it in high, high esteem. And I think I almost didn't want to go back to it because it has been quite some time since I've listened to it. And I was almost afraid that it was not going to um, resonate with me the way that it did when I was a kid. And and that's for any number of reasons. Um, but I was almost hesitant to go back for that reason, I, I think. And what I will say is it definitely it definitely resonates with me still. Uh, and, and it's every bit as good as it was when I first heard it. Um, unlike some other albums, you know, I, I think we, we talked about Manowar in one of our earlier episodes. And it just doesn't strike me the same way it did when I was a kid. This is completely different. It is over the top, uh, almost pretentious in certain spots, bombastic. I mean, these are the words that you would describe the album, and yet it works perfectly. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the the album art, and I just remember, like, like just, and I still think, like, the album art was so cool, like, and you know, different. Yeah, you describe like, it. Yeah, I mean, like, you have this this uh, naked man, like, standing on top of the earth, like, reaching upwards, and then. On you know one side is the angels and on the other side is the devils and and it, it and he's like reaching out into the universe and the the logo has like the, this you know like vines on it and it it, it looked I mean at the time it was like probably one of the nicest looking uh, covers I've I'd ever seen on an album I mean I wish I I don't even know if they're probably I don't think it exists on vinyl It'd be, I'd love to have this as a as a vinyl record just because of the how cool that the album art is. Um, but it, it kind of matches the lyrical themes of the album. I mean, it, it was really a really mature album, I think, um, from a from a lyrical standpoint, especially for a bunch of you know fifteen, sixteen year olds listening to it. And I think that's probably why it resonates still to this day. Is that like the subject matter still you know it makes sense to us? Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that. It, it is a concept album, and I think that. You know, it, it's not much has been written about it. And, and for that reason, I can't even say with absolute certainty that I completely understand the concept. Although my understanding from um, limited interaction is that essentially it's just like the plight of the musician and all the different things that they were going through uh, at the time. Right. And, and a lot of the different tracks refer to this. But when you, you know, and I guess we'll get into it. It starts with this beautiful song, The Edge, which kind of is a, is a theme that permeates through the entire album. There's multiple parts of this song. And the first track and the last track actually mirror each other almost perfectly, just in terms of the fact that the, the last song is a reprise of, 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 of the first track, kind of putting a bow on the entire album. The second track, Fly Away, is probably the most accessible song on the album, I would have to say, either that or... Um, the Edge Part 3, in my opinion, I think are the two most ex readily accessible tracks. And then you get to The Confession, which is the third track, which, you know, you talk about b bands and, and albums that resonate. I'm not even sure why this resonates, because when you think of The Confession, it is one of the darkest, maybe the darkest song I've ever heard. Yeah, it, it's hard to argue that. I mean, it's a it's a song about a guy who who 
goes to confessions and kills priests uh, because he thinks that, um, you know, the church, the church is, is hiding things. And, um, you know, I, I think the story was that like, he had a, a, a young daughter who was raped and killed by, by a priest. So he's like uh, on this mission to, to like, murder priest it's crazy like yeah it's almost got like an operation mind crime feel to it but at the same time you also have these again with these religious overtones it's it's just uh very impactful but the way it's done and the way the story is told it's clear it's concise and again it's just this this the you know the, the the main character or the musician is just slowly spiraling out of control and by the time you get later on in the album he like literally loses his mind which is uh, you know, again, a testament to maybe what some of the things the band were going through. I, I don't know, but it's, um, it, it's wild. It was, it was very striking as a teenager to hear a song like that was this, uh, just like so this intense, like lyrically, um, and musically too. I mean, it's an intense song. Um, and maybe is- that's part of the draw, right? Because at the time, you got to go back to 1997 and you think about what's popular with the Spice Girls and the Backstreet Boys, and this is what like popular music was at the time. This album is the complete antithesis of that. This is like dark themes, um, really, really mature stuff. And, and again, I guess that's why it resonates as an adult because you kind of get more, um, you know, in tune with some of these darker things that you don't really realize when you're 15, 16 years old. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. I, I remember, I just remember that this was just, I think that this was one of the songs that really, um, everybody that that listened to the album with us like took notice right away of uh, you know Brian of course i think that was his favorite song from this album i'm almost certain um and he listened to this just as much as we did um i i, I bet you, i would be willing to bet that every one of our friends probably has like a different favorite song from this album um it's uh yeah so that song whew, yeah that was and listening to it now like i'm just like wow like um you know you get a little bit of a, a preview of keith's uh falsetto vocals which he puts on full, full display, display. In, yeah. on the in uh edge part two the looking glass which i remember when i first heard this i can't remember like it, it was i don't i don't even think i thought it was actually keith sedano singing because it sounds, I, I it's so, it's so, I mean, falsetto doesn't even begin to tell the story of the edge part two, right? The edge part two, uh, which I think was probably my first favorite track on the album. And, and to your point, I think they've all been my favorite track at one point or another, or at least most of them have, but, but the edge part two, I, it's, it, it's a vocal performance truly like no other. Yeah, it's it's over the 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 falsetto vocals are are so over the top, but it's so perfect for for this kind of song. And again, like I, I'm just gonna have to say, like I am looking through very rose colored glasses when I when I look back at an album like this, just because of the impact that it had at the time. And, and I, I try to be as objective as humanly possible, but it, it's really kind of hard for me on an album like this. Um, Cause I think like when we were chatting with Nick, like he said that it was almost comical, but I don't know, like to me, I thought it was really kind of cool as a kid hearing, hearing a guy sing like that. Um, I just thought it was very interesting and it really made that song stand out, I think. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's again, it's different from anything else you've heard. 
And then we get to what I'm only going to just say is probably uh, one of the greatest single ballads of all of all time. And I'll I'll just say it'll be my song of the week because we're talking about it now. A Day in Verse is one of the most beautiful piano-led songs I have ever heard in my entire life. Phenomenal lyrics. And if you haven't heard the song, do yourself a favor. Listen to the song when we post it this week, but read along with the lyrics. I think they they resonate uh, like like very few uh, lyrics do. It is, I mean, it's just an absolute perfect song. It's an eight minute ballad. It feels like three minutes. It's it it goes by so quickly, as does the rest of the album. But to me, it is the pinnacle of what Eternity X was. Souls around me, his face It's all of a mad existence A silent story And just how they took him They tore a free soul down Didn't leave a trace And how he sat and faced it He didn't make a sound And I watched in silence as Tears fell like Yeah, this was one of my favorite songs uh, throughout high school. Um, I was really very into ballad, you know, like power ballad type songs. Um, so this was at the time, this was right up my alley. And, you know, it it takes you on quite on such a journey. Like you said, it starts out this beautiful, you know, piano intro. And um, it, it, the we definitely should post uh, if we could. Actually, I'm not sure if it's even uploaded i'm thinking of something that we have personally of a, of a bootleg video um i'll have to look I'd, lo- I'd love to post the uh the live version of this if there is one on youtube somewhere it, it's um, not i've actually went on youtube earlier today because i i, I knew we were going to talk about the live show i just i knew we were going to go there there is no real live footage from this band because up until this point i don't think they again up until after this album came out, I, I don't think they had played live shows. We'll get to the tour they did in a second, which because again, it's fascinating. But um, I don't know that much live footage exists, and we may be very, very fortunate to have the show that we do have, which we'll get to. Well, there you go. Uh, then I guess we won't be posting it. But yeah, um, yeah, we'll definitely post the the studio version. But this really is a, a fantastic song, and and definitely one of those songs that I hear, and and even more so than the rest of the album, just takes me right back to uh right back to high school and and uh i remember my my high school girlfriend loved this song um i mean it was just like i don't know it was it was a very uh iconic song for me um and could very easily have been my song of the week i i I was kind of hoping you would go first so give me one less song to choose from so uh i'll I'll, I'll reveal that i guess a bit later on but um yeah just really really phenomenal song and again like you know as far as lyrics go i just remember like there's so many lyrics on this album that i think really 
resonated and stood out to us when we were high school age. For sure. And, um, and I think that like the sort of thing where you're putting like, you know, you're putting these like pithy quotes on, in your AOL profile and stuff like um, this is a lot of them probably came from this album. I, I think that we drew a lot of, a lot of like, you know, emotional uh, inspiration from some of the lyrics. And, you know, again, it's like hearing very adult, themes as a younger person and and kind of you know getting maybe a little taste of, of what adulthood has in store for us i i think that's an apt uh, an apt analogy and i'll say this you know after a day in verse that's when things really take a dark turn i mean if killing the priest wasn't enough in the confession now you get to someone who's literally losing their mind and in, in in songs like imaginarian and, and obviously the edge of madness which is the eighth track yeah i feel like this is where the album really starts to to imaginarium really is a, a very proggy song and i feel yes. like this is where this is where it gets proggy and this is a song it's it's long it's a 10 minute song and this is a song i always kind of consider to be my least favorite song on the album and i've completely turned on that um i, I maybe just because i had i didn't have the attention span for a 10 minute song when i was younger and and maybe it, it must have lost me, but now I go back and listen to it, and it's it's awesome. Like there's there's lots of different cool like parts. Again, it's another like song that takes you on a journey. But unlike a day in verse, which is is very like beautiful, um, this is like very dark and almost scary in a lot of ways. Um, and, and it's a nice contrast because they come one after the other on the right, album, right? right, it's, right just, yeah. it's just perfect. Yeah, the, so I I definitely have a newfound uh, appreciation for for the song now that I've gone back and listened to it, and and it and it's made an album that I've ever, I've always loved uh, all the all that much better in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I I I've I have a soft spot for that too. Uh, after Imaginary, and we come to the Edge Part Three, which is. Um, one of the more accessible tracks, I think, but it's interesting because you have every instrument in different portions of the uh, of the song basically parrot one another. A very quirky, proggy thing to do, but it really works. And you hear like, you know, p- piano fills that are then mirrored on the bass. And then you'd have like a guitar solo that's mirrored by the keyboards. And I mean, it's just it it works. I, I don't know how to explain it. It's It's a very unique track, but one that I think resonates with a lot of people. Yeah, and this one's you know has kind of a darkness to it as well. I I feel um, I, I you know I didn't really think of it until you brought it up, but you're right. Like there is like this kind of feeling of of like going going crazy. Like um, and these I think these three songs especially really kind of um, really represent that well. And the Edge of Madness is a song that. I, I, in recent times, have become a really big fan of. I mean, I always liked it because I, I enjoyed kind of like the, the, the angriness of it. Um, you know, like singing about the five bastards playing the song right now and cashing in on my plight. I, I, the, the lyrics were so fantastic. And like, they are. Uh, and, yeah. and I think I appreciated the song more for the lyrics when I was younger. But now that I've gone back in, in later years and listen to it again, it's, it's, I think it's one of the best songs on the album. It's, I, I agree. I agree. And it's so, it, again, dark, but it just, it, 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 it works and it resonates. The interesting thing though is I, I think that track nine rejection not only the shortest track by by a rather wide margin so it only clocks in at about three and a half minutes or so but it's 
kind of a misplaced track for me. And it, and it almost reminds me or harkens back to their earlier albums. Um, how how do you even explain a track like Rejection other than an ode to Alanis Morissette? I, I don't even know how you would like describe this for somebody. You know, I'm not sure. And I'd love to, to ask Keith Sedano, like, as like if there's maybe a, a full story through through this album that maybe this fits into the story in a way that that I don't understand and then maybe it'll make more sense uh, I think musically it's it's an kind of an oddball um it's also you know again it's it's dark it's definitely it definitely screams breakup song like you know you know um but it, it, in a lot of ways because of the lyrics saying like, you know, um, isn't it ironic? You ought to know. Um, it, it almost sounds like he's responding to Alanis Morissette's you ought to know song, which I, I'm not entirely sure why he felt like he needed to, <laughs> or maybe like a, a girl that he broke up with was a fit, like sent him the song and said, this is the song about our breakup. And, and like it, I said, th- th- there's not much written. So we'd only be speculating but there's some tie to Alanis Morissette here, whether it's, I, you know, the funny thing is I remember being back in high school and saying to myself, oh, it, he, she, he must have dated her. But it, obviously, I, I don't think that was it. But, you know, 15, 16 year old me, I didn't know any better. And I and the ties seemed so um, clear at the time. But Lord only knows if you're out there, we would, would certainly love to know if you if you have any insight into that. Yes. Yeah, see, I, I saw it as more of like a. Uh more of like of metal trying to like slap MTV, the MTV generation in the face, kind of the way that like dream theater does it on new millennium on falling into infinity. I thought like maybe this was his, like their way of being edgy and being like, you know, up yours MTV, like, you know, up yours, the, the pop radio generation, like, you know, this is, this is true music and, and that sort of thing. And, and I think that, we definitely were, were carrying that flag because we had become so disenchanted with what was, you know, popular at the time, like going from this amazing era of listening to the radio and hearing bands like Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. And then we kind of move into like the mid to late nineties and that, that awesome alt rock scene kind of just died out. And, and I know I was desperate for something to to latch on to musically because i loved music so much but what the the mainstream was providing was just lacking sorely so and this um, was the antithesis of that for yeah. sure yeah and so like in a lot of ways a song like rejection kind of represented that for me too like just giving a middle finger to what was popular at the time and um that's kind of like a little, my little anecdote about like what that song meant to me at the time. So um, listening to it now, it's just, it sounds, it's like a little bit kind of, kind of like goofy, but um, it's, 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 I think you would use the word outlier. It's a, it's an outlier on this album. And, yeah. And, and like I said, misplaced in the sense that it's just, I mean, if there's more there and, and, and the story fits, I certainly understand it. It just sounds like nothing else on the album for, for a number of reasons. Uh, whereas track number 10, again, you want to talk about just an absolutely beautiful, beautiful song. Uh, one of my all time favorite songs, Baptized by Fire. Yeah. Uh, to me, you know, this album, like, there's so much going on and there are so many good songs. But for me, 
fly away a day in verse and baptized by fire kind of like the beginning middle and end points of the album are just these three absolute masterpiece songs um and like fly away is is like the i think the he- the more heavy the faster the fastest heaviest one a day in verse is kind of the softest most ballady type and then baptized by fire kind of fits right in the middle um i feel like those three songs when i was younger were the ones that really resonated with me right away and and going back and and deep diving into this album i think there's still the three i think they're the three most uh like the three best songs on the album and just the three most epic um these are songs that i think forever to me are going to be just absolute like you know songs i that i will i will always think of as as my as some of my favorite songs that i ever listened to as a kid and 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 beyond yeah i i i I don't disagree i think it's interesting that you didn't choose any of the edge tracks not that those are bad by any means they're they're phenomenal but the three that you kind of highlighted are not part of the theme of the edge if you will i just just an interesting little anecdote what is your track of the week And, and again just to be clear the album ends with the edge legacy reprise which is it starts with this really slow uh you know you kind of don't know where it's going this slow ballady song and then it goes right back into the edge of the first track and it just puts a bow on the un- entire thing it's it's really well done and kind of creative in that regard i found myself having the beginning of that song stuck in my head through the week like um, really? before the reprise but like um the the first part just uh that it's got a really catchy melody to it. Sure, um, sure. And, and the, it was funny. For the first time in my life, I was thinking to myself, like, I kind of wish that they had, like, an entire song of this part of the song instead of, obviously, for thematic reasons, they, you know, they wanted to wrap it up the same way that it starts. It's it's really cool how the album ends musically the same way that it starts. And And you're right, like, I didn't name any of the songs from that Edge trilogy, um, but the, the, the way the album just starts with the drum and the, and the organ, like that's iconic to me. Like I will always remember those first few notes of this yeah, album. If you the way were that doing name that tune with this, you'd get it after two notes. Like it's, I mean, it's that like, it'll resonate with you once you hear it. Yeah. So, you know, like it's just as far as like epic, epic introductions to an album, like that's, you know, and the whole song, the whole first song itself is, is fantastic. But like, you know, again, like I said, um, those three songs, they're just that good that I think that they outshine everything else. And, and, um, honestly, like for me to choose the track of the week, it it was going to be any one of those three and, and maybe the edge of madness. Also, I would probably round out like my top four songs on the album. I mean, today <laughs> so right, it could change right, tomorrow. Right, right. uh but um I- i'm just gonna go with fly away it's always been my favorite song on this album and it probably always will be um it- it's just for an eight minute song it's it's just unbelievable it- it's it's just I-, I don't know it's just mind-blowing and it was one of those things where for prog music which is is definitely more of a struggle for me to grasp onto. This was something that I remember hearing the first time and loving it immediately. And and to say that about anything in in the prog world is a huge compliment when it's coming from me. 
Well, I think it goes back to that whole shadow gallery thing where this is really kind of more accessible prog, at least in certain areas. Some of it's quite quirky, but like I said, it's some of it like a song like Fly Away is, uh, you know, as I said, probably the most accessible track on the disc. And, and, and when you think about other prog bands that you personally enjoy, it's more, it's not the esoteric stuff. It's the, uh, you know, it's the it's the melody driven stuff and fly away is that, so it's not terribly surprising. I agree 100%. And again, like a day in verse and, and baptized by fire definitely fall under that category as well, where it's just very accessible. It's not, I mean, you know, you, a song like the confession or, or the imaginarium as, as great as those songs are, they're very dark. And if you're like slowly trying to get somebody into this type of music, that might be the sort of thing that might scare them off. So, yeah, it's funny. You mentioned the getting other people into the music. I'll tell you a story. I, I, don't think I've ever told you this. We had a mutual friend, acquaintance or what have you, which was like, who would come to me in confidence and was saying they were going through some really tough times. And, you know, they just, you know, they didn't know where to turn. And, you know, I quite frankly, didn't know how to respond. I was only a kid at the time. I wound up buying a second copy of this album and giving it to them. And I said, just listen to this. Not that they were even a fan or remotely a fan of any of this type of music. I just thought that after you listen to this album, it would just change your perspective on things. I don't know if it ever worked, but I actually gifted this album to someone who doesn't know the first thing about progressive rock or progressive metal or metal or anything heavier than what you would hear on uh local radio. But, uh, I hope it worked because literally it had such a profound impact on me that I I hope it did the same for them. Well, I mean, either felt a lot better or went on a killing spree of priests. So, (laughs) and I didn't see that. So I get, I guess to that end it worked. Um, And just to put a bow on a bow on it, they, they released the album in 1997. They go on in this tour that we kind of alluded to earlier the next year, they did a headlining tour of Germany and there may have been some other countries as well, but I know for a fact they did a headlining tour of Germany or they played about 10 or 12 shows and the opening band for this progressive metal uh, band from New Jersey, Ed Guy. That's right. Ed Guy. Ed Guy opened up for the Eternity X on what was their Vainglory Opera Tour, I guess, while the Ed, while Eternity X was touring for the Edge, and and I'm fortunate enough to have a, a bootleg from one of these shows 
Uh, it didn't look like there was many people in the crowd, unfortunately, but I cherish. It's probably one of my favorite pieces of music because here I am watching an Eternity X live show with Tobias Samet running through the crowd, just like making a complete <laughs> cornball of himself. It's it's one of the most fascinating things I've ever seen. Yeah, that's still, that whole thing just boggles my mind to this day, like especially in Germany where – Ed Guy was from, you'd think by the time Vainglory Opera came around that they would be able to headline shows in their home country. But again, like, you know, our finger wasn't really on the pulse of things at the time. And I guess they still aren't because <laughs> it's hard to say, like, what was popular in Germany in 1997, I guess. Yeah, but, um, I, I, and it really does, um, make you wonder, like, did the, did the positive press from this album, um, was it going to be a launching point for this band that just like just never never lived up to the the potential they showed on this album again mostly because they didn't really exist much beyond this yeah I, and that's that that to me is the million dollar question I, obviously i never got to see the band live shortly after that european tour in fact, some of the guys on that European tour didn't even record on the edge. So I think that the guys in the band left the band shortly after the album came out. They got some other people to tour with them. I know Zeke was still in the band, um, but I think that the rest of the guys were different on that tour. And um, that was really all we heard. As I said, you know, there was a demo that came out about two years or three years after the edge. Uh, the sound is not great. The songs are certainly inspired, but they just don't compare to, to this album, or at least I, I would love to hear a cleaner version of it because, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of left drawing conclusions from the, the quality version that we have. And the rest of the guys in the band, uh, Jeff, Jamie, and, and, and Jimmy wound up joining another band called Exhibition. Uh, Exhibition was more of a straight up metal band, if you will. They weren't really proggy. Um, and they had leather, uh, Bobby Lucas, Bobby Leather Lungs Lucas on vocals. And that was a band I actually did get to see because I went to see them at, at a local dive bar in New Jersey, uh, twice actually, just because I couldn't believe I was going to get to see the Eternity X guys play. Um, but it, it was definitely not the same kind of music. It was definitely missing Keith. But I will say that one of, one of the highlights of those shows, was introducing myself to the band. I must have been all of 19 or 20 when I when I saw these shows. And, and, and I was talking with Jamie Mazur on keyboards and he started playing a day in verse, like in between sets. And I like remember thinking to myself, this is as good as it gets because I'm never going to get to see The Edge or anything off of it live. But you did get to see old leather lungs and that's... I did. And he's still wearing his sunglasses and I, I don't know that his eyes are open because you could never see his eyes. Uh, but Bobby <laughs> Lucas is still wailing out whatever he was wailing out on those exhibition albums. But uh, again, it, 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 even though it had some decent songs, it, it certainly wasn't this, not by any means. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I could speak personally to this. The the expectations of what of of this band after this album, it might have been just beyond any sort of real realistic possibility to, to reach. And I, I, God, I remember like, um, I remember like Keith saying that, like he, he was going to use less keyboards on this album. And I remember us being like, like a little bit confused as to why, when, when the keyboards and the pianos were such a, a, a huge part of what made the edge so memorable. Um, 
I mean, I just, as, as somebody who's not a musician, I just find it so fascinating how daunting it must be to follow up something like that. I guess, you know, it's kind of akin to, I think our conversation about shadow gallery, about having to follow up tyranny. Um, but this is, you know, this is a band who, this is the album that, that kind of put, is putting them on the map. And now that they're expected to, to follow it up with something just as memorable. And I, I almost wonder if the, the pressure of, of doing that kind of just made the band crumble from within because, you know, all we ever got were these kind of, uh, you know, rough sounding demos. I actually listened to from the ashes, uh, all of it this week. And, and all I could think of was, I mean, as it's totally different from the edge. And I think it, I really think it would have worked, um, if it was just polished up a little bit. Um, I don't know how much of a, of a effect like losing most of the band would have been, because like you said, it was just Keith and Zeke left at that time. I don't know how much influence the rest of the band had on the edge or if it was all like Keith's, you know, uh, all of his, you know, uh, brainchild. Um, I, I mean, like you said, like this is a time where the internet is kind of in its infancy and, and before things would explode, the band was gone. And so there's not really a lot written down and it's not like you could just go on to like Wikipedia and pull stuff up. Like, you know, we've done in the past to do research for albums. I mean, we're not working with a lot other than our own recollection of, of the way things were in, in the late seven, the late seventies, <laughs> the late nineties. Yeah, no. And I think that's maybe part of the, part of the charm as well, because, you know, we're relying on our own memories here. And although I think we're pretty certain with a lot of the facts that we're, we're saying, if not virtually certain, um, it, you know, it was, it was almost like here today, gone tomorrow. And that was the end of it. And then, uh, you know, I'm not going to say I stopped listening, but I, I haven't listened to in so long just because I almost don't want anything to tarnish the memories that I do have. And, and fortunately, nothing I, I did this week tarnished anything because it, it, it held up. Again, the nostalgia factor may be high, but it, it, it works. Um, I, you know, I'll ask you this on a scale of one to 10, what is it? You know, here, here we are 25 years later. Uh, yeah. Like what did Nick say? Uh, he had to go into the, 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 the vaunted Chris Nietzsche eighth of a, of, of a point. I don't know. I don't know if I have to go that, uh, specific, but, um, I'm definitely teetering. Um, I don't know that, I don't know that I can give it a 10. Um, it's, I think maybe if rejection was not there, it might be perfect. Um, but I'm not sure. So I'm going to give it a, a, a 9.75. I mean, it's pretty much almost perfect for me. Like uh, it's one okay song kind of puts a little bit of a damper on it, but the rest of the album is just too damn good for it to be any lower than that. Yeah. I'm going to give it a 10 despite, despite rejection. And I think that's just a testament to the rest of the, to the rest of the album and, and, and what can only be described as perfection. And the reason I say that is because I don't know that there are any other albums that elicit the same emotion from me as this one does. Um, when I hear this stuff, I am immediately brought back to another time, but I'm not just brought back to another time in terms of, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a high school student. It was really just kind of the emotions that went along with the album they're still there. And I think that's a testament to the lyrics and, and, and in many cases, the keyboards, which 
really helped to elicit this. Plus Keith's vocals, which uh, falsetto included. It's just, I mean, it's just unlike anything I have ever heard and the uniqueness of it when you, it's just the total package. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. It's, it's just, it's, it's that good. And, 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 I, I don't give out tens lightly, although obviously we've talked about a lot of great albums. This is up there with the rest of them. It's it's that good. Yeah, I, I think we probably glossed over the fact that that Keith is a really really good singer, um, and he. I think this is definitely his his best performance as a vocalist is on display on this album. Um, he's phenomenal, and and this is at a time where like for me like getting into a band like vocals can make or make or break a band for me like right off the get-go so uh but yeah i'm with you like this album i mean again somebody might listen to it and be like yeah it's a it's a 6.0 at best um because you know they're hearing it for the first time they don't have the nostalgia i don't know i don't think that's true but my rose color glasses are so rosy that I would accept somebody if they said that just because, sure, sure. you know, this, this represents the beginning of my love for this type of music. And, and it also is the first time that I had any sort of interaction with anybody that was in a band and having somebody like Keith be so accessible there, you know, he, he was one of the first guys to, to put up, put up a, a message board for his band and have people interact with him. Like this was not, a common thing in 1997, Yeah, There was no Twitter. There was no Instagram. And here he is actively engaging uh, with the audience. And, and to that point, I, I had said, I, I wrote the letter and, and I got the album back with a nice letter that accompanied it, but that wasn't all I got. He sent a whole like care package of stuff because maybe he was moved by my letter. Uh, maybe he was just appreciative of, of, of the fact that I was, you know, obviously a fan of the band. Um, but you know, I, I, I literally, and I, I was taking pictures the other day to just to show you what I had. I, I couldn't believe that I still had a lot of this stuff, but you know, it, it resonated with me because at the time I was a kid, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't have the luxury of meeting people that I, you know, have been fortunate enough to do for the next 25 years after this. So for me, it was like a really big deal. And it, you know, you always remember your first, this was my first real interaction with anybody who I had looked up to just from, you know, a musicianship standpoint. Yeah, and and I think that just adds to the to the the strong memories and again, you know, again like that was something that that Keith did for a lot of us that took the time to to show that, you know, what he was doing was affecting us in a positive way and I think, you know, one of the benefits of kind of being a smaller band is like, you know, better customer service quote unquote is that you can actually take the time to to write a letter back to to a fan and send them a poster and a demo and a signed cd and and make it personalized and really make especially for us being you know at that age where you know we're 16 17 years old like you know that really makes you feel special like that that you that you made a difference for them and they're making a difference for you and having that feeling i mean i never go on to I would I would go on to to do things and meet people I'd never dreamed that I would get to meet in person and have conversations with like you know at the time I was like well I guess this is as good as it gets you know you get a letter from the guy in Eternity X the the biggest metal band 
you know, the side of, of New Jersey. Like, but you know, at the time, you know, it might, it might as well have been Andre Matos or, or, you know, you know, Kai Hansen or, or any one of those guys sending us a letter at the time. Yeah. I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was amazing. You know, and, and like I said, that's why the positive memories continue. And, uh, you know, I'm glad we got to discuss this. I don't know, you know, I, I don't know that there are plans for them to do anything else, but, uh, you know, never say never, right? I guess uh, time will tell. Yeah, I mean, you know, who who would have thought that Conception would get back together with uh, Roy Khan and go on tour and stuff? So, I mean, yeah, you never say never in 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 music, but uh, I I do I do want to urge um, anybody who's who listens to this podcast if you're not familiar with this album, go listen to it. I mean. If you hate it, feel free to send us hate mail. I don't care, but go listen to it because it's just one of those things where it's like, it still boggles my mind that like not every metal head like rattles us off as, as one of their favorite prog metal albums ever. Cause it deserves to be, I, I mean, at least don't I think disagree. so. I don't disagree. Uh, and with that, that'll put a bow on the edge. And next week is the first uh, the first week of the month. So I guess that means we're going to be doing another uh, fan request, which is awesome. And it's something that I'm looking forward to. This one comes from us, uh, comes to us from Matt Craig, who had sent in a couple of albums. But we're going to do Seven Spires' most recent release, Emerald Seas, which came out last year. And I think they actually just mentioned uh, that they were coming up with some new material later this year. So this is uh, on the heels of the uh, on the new of the new album going to do their last album emerald seed to do something a little bit more uh actually a lot more recent since the album came out last year um but a, a very very good disc which i um spent some time with but i look forward to listening to again yeah i believe um let's see uh i'm just gonna check my calendar they have a single coming out um actually the single is being released the same day that this podcast gets dropped so uh, we'll definitely post a link to it during the week, but yeah, they have a new single that they're going to be dropping. And, and so the timing is, is quite perfect actually. And, uh, Matt's a guy that I had the, uh, had the privilege of meeting at Prague power and he's a really, really nice dude. And, and, I'm, and he's been, um, a pretty loyal fan of, of the show. So we, uh, we appreciate that a lot and are really happy to, to to do uh an album that he requested um this this album was i believe uh the first album i had mentioned in my top 25 of of 2020 i think it was my number 25 um so definitely something i'm looking forward to to going back and listening to yeah as am i i'm I'm looking forward to this as well it should be it should be a fun listen a fun listen uh thanks matt again for the request uh i've not met you yet but uh hopefully one day and uh, keep the requests coming because uh, we have a list and we will get through all of them uh, in due time. So thank you for that. And uh, with that, we will see you next week when we cover some Seven Spires. Very good. Uh, I think that uh, pretty much wraps it up. I, I feel like we um, we kept it to a reasonable length when it comes to talking about Eternity X as the Edge album. Yeah, we could probably go on forever, but I think an hour is, I think an hour is good. So, uh, if you haven't heard it, as you said, please give it a listen. Let us know what you think. I'd love to know what people think of this album if they haven't heard it, just because, uh, you won't have the rose colored glasses that we do, but, um, it might just resonate with you too. And I'm, I'm curious to see if it does. It's, it's oddly accessible. Like you would think that 
um, Eternity X being that they've been inactive for over 20 years, you wouldn't be able to find their stuff. But uh, I, I was on iTunes earlier today and their entire back catalog is available on iTunes, which leads me to believe that it's probably on Spotify as well. So it is, and I'll and I'll post that uh, in, in the in the comments section so that yeah. everyone can. It's not hard to find. So enjoy it. We uh, we look forward to the feedback. Uh, give us a like and a follow if uh, if you think we deserve it, and we'll we'll hit you next week with some Emerald Seas, some Seven Spires. All right, looking forward to it. Take it easy, bud. Take care. I will grab the soul.